Hi, this is Judy with another podcast, and I'm here with Anthony, my magical marketing man, who just asked me such good questions. It's wonderful. He really makes me think. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm here. Right. (laughs) That and because I know what all these little buttons do on the the mixer board. Right. Judy, the last time we we spoke, we talked a little bit about the experiences that parents had around dealing with the stress that their kids were having. Mm -hmm. And we talked at length about how parents need to sort of tune into their kids. Right. And perhaps tune into themselves and tune out, tune out, right. uh, uh, other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that conversation talk, you talked about a book, mm-hmm. uh, and the name of the book again was discipline without damage. Yeah. And you had some further ideas on that. So I suppose that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we can just, there's a couple of one, they're really wonderful ideas that she has and they're not new ideas. They're just like ideas that people maybe aren't used to hearing. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them go against our typical North American parenting approach. And, um, I think the one that probably people have a really hard time with is the fact that she actually encourages dependence. 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 Okay. So um, I have an idea what that means, but yeah. um, what is it that she means? Well, what she means is that, that basically children have a really profound need for us as adults in their lives to be able to depend on us. And when they know they can really depend on us, they have the groundwork to grow from. Like they're stable, more secure, and they can spread their wings. And that we have an obsession in North America, a really big obsession in North America with independence happening as early as possible. And she sees that as the push towards independence is a push away from connection. And that connection, and I always talk about it too, like connection is the bottom line in in happy parenting and good parenting. And she sees... When she looks at misbehavior in children, um, she sees it has one of two sources. One is, that's how old they are. <laughs> we call it misbehavior. That's what they do at that age. And the other is that they're feeling a sense of disconnect, which is terrifying for kids. Right. So an interesting thing about the the, the uh, typical thing for typical age is that uh, someone came into the store this week and um, said that they just wanted to come in and thank me for the the podcast about discipline in two-year-olds. And it was the mom and the dad came in and they said, we had no idea that what she was doing was normal. We just thought that she had problems, that we were bad parents. And it was so reassuring to know that they were just, their daughter was just being two. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty uh, cool. It's very cool. It's like, it just, they just, it just, they relax so much from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think in that podcast, I talked a lot about how much two-year-olds need you to be there and be really stable for them because they're so volatile and so all over the map, as are three-year-olds, as are four-year-olds. I mean, two-year-olds are particularly intense, but um, young children are really volatile. And if you're really honest, so are we. You know, like if somebody says something, in, you know, if you get a salesperson who's rude to you, like your whole adrenaline system just goes right up and you feel really angry and put upon and, sh- and ang- you know, and I'm going to tell everybody about this and they're going to find out like, that's, you know, that's not a very mature response. <laughs> it's, you know, the really re- mature response is like, Hmm, not a very good salesperson. Okay. But no, we go right into hyper overdrive generally and take it all very personal. And, uh, and all- we do that a million times a day but we just have some mechanism to talk ourselves down about it, right? And kids don't have that mechanism to, to talk themselves out of it. If we're lucky, and if we're not lucky, we become 
an abusive spouse or we, you know, or we become a really unpleasant person or we become a terrible gossiper or we become a bully if we don't have a, the capacity to put those feelings down. Right. So, okay, let's, um, I mean, it's all, it's all good information, but let's bring this all back to the idea of uh, dependence as, um, sorry, what's the author's name again? Um, Vanessa Lapointe. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. Yeah. Right? Discipline Without Damage is the book. So yeah. her ideas around discipline being something where as a child, I need to be dependent or? Yes. Okay. Yes. So elaborate if you can a bit on that. Um, I guess so much of what we do from a very early age, you know, be it from, you know, insisting that our children sleep through the night and not need us during the night. And if they need us during the night, that that's something wrong and they need to be independent starts really early when we have this thing about, um, babies self-soothing, which is like absolutely cognitively impossible for them to do. They need to become independent. They need to be separated from us. They need to not have that deep connection to us or there's something wrong with that. Um, and then it just continues on that there's all this pressure. Well, let them find out for themselves. They'll learn for themselves and they will learn for themselves, especially if you support them through whatever it is they have to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, so our, there's so many things like, you know, somebody says, oh, I don't want to turn, I don't want to produce a daddy's girl or a mommy's boy or, or whatever. And actually, if you have a daddy's girl or a mommy's boy, it's probably a good thing. It means that they feel loved and connected to you. Um, and there's just, this the jargon around pushing kids away from us is so powerful in this culture. It's, now, when you said that initially introduced this idea of dependence, you said it's a North American ideal. It's not like that anywhere else? Oh, it's definitely there other places too, you know, but it's, it's, um, it's it's talked about it's written about it's it's promulgated on the internet so much about kids being independent um and i think we talked once before about this film that was made a long time ago around of different cultures around the world and how other cultures really encourage children to be really close and to be a very intimate part of the family and you know they all sleep in the same room you know certainly everybody doesn't want that but you know that they the idea of of pushing kids away is very foreign to them. And then she showed this one particular culture that was um, very isolating and put kids away to sleep by themselves and didn't respond a lot to their cries because they wanted their kids to be independent. And that was you know, the U.S. Um, so that I think it's more pronounced here than other cultures, but it's also very pronounced in other cultures as well. I mean, there's there's cultures that completely use shaming and blaming and distancing as a way of disciplining their kids. You know, and again, as I always say, look around at the world. Hmm. Like, we ain't in great shape. Well, I mean, as you say that, it just reminds me of kids that I knew uh, going through high school who were rather independent. They were mm -hmm. the ones that were uh, the bad kids. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And they didn't let anybody near them. Right. You know, they were really kind of independently aloof and for lack of a better word from my perspective at the time they were jerks yeah you know they, they didn't have the same social uh capacities as other kids and then perhaps that's where it started absolutely i mean the more you distance your kids from you by you know by shaming by physically distancing and like don't sit on my lap don't bother me now constantly pushing them away um if they're needy you get angry at them if they're crying you say i'll give you something to cry about rather than acknowledging that they might be hurt, you know, inside that something might be really painful for them, um, emotionally. And just, there's so many things that we do to push our kids away. Um, and if, you know, if kids are pushed away enough and not responded to, they're not going to respond to anybody. And they are shut down because they have to shut down to survive. 
um, you know, we have the humans are very unique in that we have the capacity to survive in many, many, many different environments and different cultures. And, you know, we have, you know, kids who are like the kids you talked about have probably had such a heightened stress response their whole lives that they never relax. They're never at peace. They're never at ease. They can't interact well socially because they've never seen how to do that. And they're always on the defensive because they had nobody that they could really turn to and nobody who was there for them and who they could depend on. Well, I mean, as you say that, I can distinctly remember uh, one or two um, guys that I knew you know, grade 10 and 11 who were so shut down Mm -hmm. and aloof. And, um, my sense of them at the time was that they didn't know how to do anything different because they'd never been shown. Absolutely. And then that was just a reflection based on how it was that, uh, I was raised, Mm -hmm. which was different. I don't know that it was a million times better, but it was certainly something where there was communication and Mm -hmm. there was some level of uh, love shared between Mm -hmm. my parents and I. Um, and I just remember seeing them thinking, what did they miss? You know, yeah. and, and noticing that there was yeah. something tangibly different based on how I felt in my body and how mm-hmm. I saw the world and how I saw them. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the ideas of uh, dependence that she talks about there, was there something that you wanted to share specifically or actually read from the book? I think it was, you know, the same thing is that when you're, when your kids are having a hard time, move towards them and not away from them. Um, I had talked in the last podcast about, um, a woman whose little two-year-old just completely fell apart in the store. Mm-hmm. And she just, you know, and she, and she threw herself through She did the real t- temper tantrum thing. And, you know, it's many, many approaches to child rearing says, you know, when your child throws a temper tantrum, just ignore them and walk away um, or isolate them. And when, it, when a child is throwing a temper tantrum, they have lost it. They have just lost it. And some kids throw a lot more because it's never really been settled for them. They've really, never really gotten any help in how to handle that kind of thing. And this mom just swept that little two-year-old up and nestled her in and just talked so softly to her and so calmly to her. And you could slowly hear the, you know, slow down. And then she'd cry again. And then she'd, you know, it's like she was really, mm-hmm. it was just, it was actually kind of wonderful to watch. It took a while. It wasn't instant. You know, and then when she went to leave and she put the baby in the stroller again, the two-year-old in the stroller again, she started crying again. She went, oh, no, (laughs) you know, Um, but she had to go, you know, so she had to go. But, you know, she just, like that mom just intuitively knew that her little person needed her. She was dependent on her to help her settle down. You know, and everything we do, every time we do timeout, and people do timeouts because they're desperate. They don't know what else to do. They put timeout. So the child is said, I'm not going to, you know, they're being told, I'm not going to be here from you when you're distressed. Um, you're bad for being distressed. I'm walking away from you. And then you figure out why you're sitting here. And most of the kids, time kids figure out, and, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what's in their head, but they probably figure out, my mother doesn't love me now. now. She doesn't want to be with me. Well, I I'm be, a bad person. I would even think that it sets up the idea that um, um, what I'm thinking and feeling doesn't count. Yes, that too. You know, Absolutely. In, in, invalidation. Yeah, it is invalidation. Yeah. I, my, my favorite timeout story, which I love, which was uh, came out in a mom's group. We were we were talking about it. We were talking about sibling rivalry handling a new baby. And one of the moms said, you know, I keep giving him timeout. Every time he hits the baby, I give him a timeout. I give him a timeout. And he said, and one day he went up to the baby, he hit the baby, smiled at me and said, okay, timeout. And it was... <laughs> His his anger about this baby, his need to hurt that baby, was way bigger than his not when, than the timeout thing. 
And I thought that was so telling. It was like there was such an emotional need that this little guy had that he was so unhappy about this new sibling. And it wasn't being acknowledged. It was like just, you know, if you hurt your baby, you're going to be punished. Obviously, you cannot allow your child to hurt the baby. And you need to be super vigilant if you have a child who's really angry about a new baby. But you can't make him love that baby. It ain't going to happen. You know? <laughs> if it ain't there, it ain't going to happen. Right. Um yeah, but that's, you know, that's an approach of a child who's already ready feeling abandoned to some extent because he has this new baby who's taking all the mom and dad's attention pretty much. And then you send them away for having those feelings. It's like... It's multiplying. It's multiplying. It's multiplying it. Yeah. Hmm. And I can just hear people saying, oh, you know, come on. You know, kids need to be learned what they're... They need to learn this kind of stuff and they need to be put in their place and all this kind Because of, a lot of people feel like that. Um I just don't agree. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me think, you know, what is their place? You know, they're, they're totally helpless and, and dependent on you for everything. Completely dependent on you for everything. I mean, it's very, and sometimes that's really hard for people because so many of us did not have our dependency needs met. Um, and it's an interesting process for parents to look at that. Like, you know, how was I responded to as a child? And does this just feel so foreign to me? That there's something inside me says, oh, I really can't do this. I can't respond. It's not good because this is what you were taught as well, a child. It, it just makes me think of people that I know who have this idea that um, the learning is only one way. The child is the only one in the relationship that, that learns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas the child is this little small mirror mm-hmm. <laughs> pointed directly at you, yeah. the parent, um, that they need to you know, see that there's an opportunity to learn something about themselves too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. And I just I just want to pick up on that mirror that mirror concept. There was something that um a long time ago, it was a wonderful book called Your Child's Self-Esteem and and she said that that your face is your child's mirror. And when they see anger and hostility and um just negativity and you they hear words coming at them, that's the image that they are creating of who they are. And if you think about that when you are you know, your child is misbehaving or they're doing what you don't want. Like, what, what kind of face are you presenting to them? You know, and, if, I, and I'm not saying don't get angry. You can't help it. Your child does something really obnoxious. You can get angry and they can see that. But if they're consistently seeing that and getting that message from your face that you're a pain in the butt, you're always bothering me, you're always interfering with what I'm doing, I don't have any time for you, that's what they're building inside. That's the mirror you're giving them. Hmm. Yeah, not a... Uh, not a very uh, healthful or uh, connected or loving kind of experience. No, no. And, and, you know, again, I always want to stress, I am not saying that you should allow your child to do anything they want to do. That is not being a responsible parent. It's just that how you approach these kinds of things and the kind of messages you give them about who they are when you have to control their behavior is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say to a child, we, you know, I can't let you do that. And that's fine. And you say it from a place of love and concern. And you stay there with them if they are going to go want to do it again. You are with them. You do not let them do something that is hurtful or damaging or destructive or whatever. Well, they, they, they don't have a sense of boundaries. No, they have no sense of boundaries. And they also have, you know, like when you look at a toddler who's like pulling everything down off the shelf and doing things, they have no idea that your $500 gift vase that your vase that you got as a wedding gift has any more value than a piece of paper sitting on the counter. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know that. It's just something else to explore. Like, oh, I love throwing things on the floor. I think I'll throw this on the floor. <laughs> you know, they they have no comprehension. They're 
yeah. And I, I was thinking the other day of, of, of kids, how do kids actually grasp reality? You know, you put a, you put a card into a machine and money pops out, right? You just, you, you push a button and, and somebody's face appears on a phone. It's like, it's in some ways such a, a magical, irrational world. Like, how do they figure out what's real and what's not real? It's like quite interesting <laughs> to think about. Yeah. The idea that popped in your head when you said that about a kid, a child not knowing the difference between a, an expensive vase or a piece of paper, it just makes me think of the way um, cats probably do know that information. Cats are evil in my mind. But, no, well, I love cats, so we'll, yeah. we'll stop this conversation here. <laughs> sure. I'm just looking around for your cats to come in and yeah, right. ruin the podcast here <laughs> or improve it, as the case may be. The, yeah. Um, but I, I, I guess I want to stress that this is a really hard one for get people to get their heads wrapped around, that it's good to build dependence and that when you see your child learning a new skill where they're actually moving away from that kind of dependence on you, you support them in that. You support them in natural kind of evolutionary independence that grows from a place of trust and secure dependence. And when your kids lose it and misbehave, they have lost that capacity for independence. That's when they need you. They are dependent on you to help them get through that. And and we're like that too. Like when we're going through a hard time, if we're unhappy or just depressed or whatever, we often call our friends mm-hmm. and talk to them. Like, you know, and if your friend says, oh, grow up, like, you know, that's not a very good friend, right? It's not the best kind of advice. Not the best kind of advice, but think of that as being you the big person and this little tiny person who has so little capacity to control their emotions and their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, they are dependent on you to help them with that. And and if your kid's having a hard time, like she talks about it a lot in, in, the, in her book, like when your kids are struggling with something, they just can't manage it, you know, like forcing them to like, you know, like just, just eat it up, you know, just do it. For some kids, they can do it because everything rolls off their back. But some kids, like that can d- destroy them. I think of experiences I had as a kid with my dad, um, maybe not as a, as a young child, uh, mm-hmm. maybe in, I don't know, my teens or something like that, where my dad would actually get me to engage with something. If he was building something in the garage or doing something mm-hmm. on the yard or whatever it was. And if I didn't know what I was doing, he would actually take the time to actually help me understand what that was. Mm-hmm. And I always remember how much more confident I became as a result. Right. So I had this dependence on him. Yes. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here, dad. And, you know, I would never really outwardly say, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. You know, his little dad radar would sort of pick up and he'd be all kinds of, um, generous with, um, uh, do you understand what's going on? Uh, kind of, let me, let me show you how this works so that you can better understand it. Like explaining the process, all kinds of things that would build up my own sort of sense of capacity Mm -hmm. and confidence around Mm -hmm. this task. Mm Um, the one that comes to mind is cutting the grass and getting the lawnmower to start, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, getting that, that sort of, um, concept solid in me, right. You know, being dependent on him, yes. not really knowing, getting that concept. And right. then all of a sudden, voila, here comes independence, you know, go cut the grass, you know, <laughs> and off I went, I cut right. the grass, you know, begrudgingly most of the time, but I right. did it. Right. <laughs> I knew how. You knew how. You know, you knew how. Yeah. And, and I think you said a couple of really important things. It was his dad radar. Yeah, his dad radar. And that's what all parents have radar. Mm. And it's a great concept because if you allow your radar to function and don't turn it off, you can pick up on what your child needs. And the dependency will go and come and go and come and go and come 
over time. Um, and um, the other thing was that you picked up in on his, I can't remember what you said, his father, his father love or something or whatever the words you use, but that you were able to pick up on his commitment to you yeah. to meet your dependency needs at that moment yeah. and to teach you and help you feel that you were valuable, that he cared about you, that you were worth his time, you were worth his energy, you were capable of learning, and he was going to share that with you. Uh, you know, that's something that I always cherish mm -hmm. um, with my relationship with him is the uh, assurance or confidence that he had in me to be capable yes. to do something. Right. Because I'm sure that's how it was for him, for him when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, hey, we're going to do something now with these grapes. Right. <laughs> we're we're going to go make some wine or, right. or something like that. And I think children at that point in his culture were just people who needed to know how to do something. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't necessarily considered anything less than because they were children. Yeah. They were just um, uninformed and needed to right. be educated. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Like, I mean, he always jokes the reason why they always had so many kids is because there was a lot to do on the farm. <laughs> Which is probably true. <laughs> you right. know, you know, it's like we needed more help. Well, let's have another couple yeah. of kids. Right. <laughs> right. That sort of but thing. that's such a, I mean, giving kids that sense of importance where you, when you, when you do a chore with a child, even if they take 10 times longer, it just, it just ramps them up so much. They just feel so valuable and mm -hmm. so good and so important because you're giving them the time the, you know, the care, the consciousness that you matter to me and I want you to learn things and feel competent and feel able. Yeah. And, and I know as well that, um, as much as I may have not really wanted to go out and cut the grass, I'd rather mm -hmm. be doing something else. Um, I always felt like if I did a good job, he'd be proud of me. Mm -hmm. Like the, mm -hmm. that, that came from it as yeah, well. It's absolutely. like, he showed me how to do this and I yeah. bet you if I do it this, you know, and he would always be like, well, Hey, you did a good job, but uh, you missed that spot over there. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, this spot over here looks pretty good. You know, like he, yeah, was, he yeah. was, he was, he was assuring and he was always, you know, coaching and right. Right. Um, I mean, you, you've talked about that before about mm -hmm. being your child's ally. Yes. Yeah. He was definitely that. Yeah. Yeah. My remembrance of that is usually as a teen because those are the, times where I realized I didn't really want to do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. You know, it's great when kids are preschoolers, they love sweeping. It's like, I always say to parents, go for it. <laughs> you know, it's not going to last that long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before they build up an opinion about what that's actually like. Right. Mm. So at, at, at this point with the idea of dependence, mm -hmm. um, is there uh, any sort of, I guess we've already sort of had the sort of takeaway on, on, on what this is, but do you want to sort of recap a little bit more about what it is you've learned from this book? I guess just it's so how biologically tuned we are as children to be dependent hmm. and that you have to shut something down in yourself to push your child away. And, and, and just to listen to those voices and again, always those voices inside of you, like what's the true voice inside you where you really feel like what does your child really need as opposed to all this sometimes garbage that we hear um, that becomes the thing of the day about, you know, teaching your child to not, not need you for this or that or the other thing. What, what also, what you said also brings up for me is that one of the things about being human, which is unfortunate in some ways, is our extraordinarily desperate need for approval. Mm. It's so intense. And you see it as soon as babies, you know, are sitting up and they do something and they're proud of themselves and they look at their parents for approval and any skill they develop whatsoever, they're always looking for approval, always looking for approval. And there's another thing like, you know, don't praise your child. You don't want them to get a swelled head. 
there's that whole other message of don't don't let your kid feel too good about themselves. They're going to be, you know, egotistical or whatever. But it's it is such a profound human need, and it does not go away when you grow up. It's like we all want to be approved of. We all want to be liked. We all want to be seen as an okay person. And if you fundamentally don't, those those kids you were talking about before, who never ever ever develop a sense of being an okay person, no one's going to like them. And they're not going to have friends, and they're going to continuously throughout their life not get approval, except from other people who are as alienated as they are. And then they form gangs, and they do all this kind of stuff to feel somehow that they belong. But I think, you know, to acknowledge that it's a very profoundly deep human need for approval, and it comes very, very early. And kids will say all – preschoolers especially will make up all kinds of things. You know, oh, I were able to jump off the, the roof and fly today. Oh, where are you now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kids say all kinds of things. I remember, you know, we'd, um, you know, we'd have a little group time in preschool and say, like, you know, somebody would t- would talk about, oh, they just went to Hawaii. And you know, I'd say, did anybody else here go to Hawaii? And everybody's hand went up, you know. <laughs> I knew someone that had never gone further than five blocks from their home, you know. But it's that, it's that need to, that me too. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm capable. I'm able. And I climbed the slide. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And that's so much of what the, the preschool years are about or look at me and I'm good. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it, when you say that, it makes me think of how um, people will post things on Facebook. It's not so much about what how they posted, but it's like, Hey, this was cool. Aren't I cool? Because Aren't of I cool because of it? Right. And yeah. we need that affirmation all the time. And it's, it's that much more intense for children with the people who they're completely dependent on, who they love so, so much and who love them hopefully so, so much as well. Like it's, it's so, so, so profound. It's a dependency. Yeah. They depend on you for that, that approval and that recognition and, and affirmation of who they are. That's uh, again, another, another deeper conversation I yes. think we, we could have further into this. I'm just looking at the clock here. Okay. Discipline Without Damage is the name of the book uh, that Judy and I have been uh, talking about today. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe is the author. Um, She's from Vancouver, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. Good Canadian content for yep. you. Uh, how to get your kids to behave without messing them up. What a great idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Actually, that should be your tagline. Yeah, right. <laughs> How to get your kids to grow up without messing them up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good conversation today. If you have any uh, questions or ideas for Judy, you can leave comments uh, below the podcast Mm -hmm. and um, she'll be happy to follow up and chime in. You can always email Judy directly and all the details are below the podcast as well. Thanks, Judy. We'll talk to you again. Okay. Bye.